This is the Scott Bradley Show podcast. Brightest panel in Hamilton Radio, because it is a Friday, and we have two very familiar folks in studio. I uh, love to have these, probably our two most regular guests, which is fantastic. Uh, ladies that first. every week. Yeah. No, to everyone. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> uh, ladies first tonight, Sandy Shaw from Cable 14, former woman of, dis- well, still a woman of distinction, but winner of the yes. Hamilton Women of Distinction. Uh, a bunch of other things. Sandy, thanks for coming thanks. in. Thanks. Someone called me a woman of extinction today. Well, oh, <laughs> where are they? I'll take them on. Yeah. Well, I was saying last night when we were doing a TV theme song, Name That Tune, that once upon a time I heard someone call in and when we were playing the Growing Pain song, they called it, they called it Groin Pains. <laughs> and I was like, no, I, that's a different show. Uh, yeah. Next to Sandy, Mike Fortune, also from Cable 14, uh, and, I don't know, multitudinous shows there. And, and, and these are actually, you guys work together. Partner. Still. We partners are. on we're uh, partners. City Matters. We uh, yeah. normally see eye to eye, but there's the odd time. We don't like each other. This is every once in a while, but we kind of leave we, it on the ice. We hug it out afterwards. We, do, we hug it out. <laughs> well, let's see if, uh, if you guys are going to like each other with this first one I want to get to right off the bat today because we have a lot of things to get to. There's been a lot going on this week, and we're going to be, I'll grant you, we're going to be all over the map as far as what's going on topics-wise. But first off tonight, a piece by Andrew Dreschel in today's Spectator, it was on the uh, spec.com yesterday, about Mayor Fred Eisenberger, who apparently now has invested some money into a uh, medical marijuana operation. It's legal. There's nothing... To be clear, there's nothing illegal about the mayor putting money into this that I know of. I've, I've heard nothing that would suggest anything's illegal. He is entitled to put it in, and he declared a conflict of interest at a council meeting when the topic of, I guess, regulating or legislating grow-ups in the city came up. My question, though, is, Sandy, I'll go to you first on this one. Legal or not, if we know that the federal government is in the process of legalizing marijuana, we know that marijuana grow plants and buildings and fields and whatever. I mean, however else I do it, we know this is going to be a pressing issue in our city where we have agricultural land. We know there are going to be challenges around restricting, regulating, doing whatever. Was it wise for the mayor to have invested in this so that he forces himself then to recuse himself from any discussion? Mm -hmm. And big discussions, as you alluded to. So... And, and honestly, no pun intended, we have to ask ourselves, does this pass the sniff test, really, is what we're going to ask ourselves. And the point being that um, conflict of interest, you know, there's the letter in the, of the law and there's the spirit of the law. And it's not just that there really is a conflict of interest, there's also there's the whole idea that there's a perception of a conflict of interest. And that perception, you know, it puts doubts in people's minds about... Um, you know, about uh, anyone, any council member that has this kind of, about the the decisions, about the the whole idea that they they are making really impartial decisions about some of the important issues that you've talked about. So I think the discussion that you're talking about was about land use planning, and it had to do, I think it was Councillor Ferguson's concern about um, all the agricultural land that's now going to be used for uh, marijuana production. So these are some big issues that are coming up, and he's the mayor of our city, and for him to be have to recuse himself, even though, as you said, is perfectly legal, uh, really, you know, really puts us in a position where we don't have the leadership, which is he's the leader, uh, you know, of our city. We don't have the leadership able to weigh on some of these important decisions. And they are big. It is a big thing. Hey, they're big decisions, big discussions, but I have absolutely no problem with the mayor doing what he did. Let's face it. He's been a politician for how many years now? Um, he might run again, he might not. Who knows? You have to look after number one first. That includes the mayor, his wife, his family, his grandkids, so on and so forth. He's not going to be a politician forever. He's looking after number one. He has, he's come out to the public, he's come out to the rest of the council and said, hey, here's, here's where I am. I can't talk. I'm out. I have no problem with him Actually, I'm kicking myself for not getting involved mm-hmm. myself. But, Mike, the difference, and here, here's the issue I, I have with I don't care this. if he's a politician or not. He was voted in by his constituents, because I, I think that's where you're going with that. Well, the, the difference I have with this is that he is fully entitled. He is entitled yes. by law, legally, to do this. Again, yes. no one is suggesting here that he's done something legally wrong, ethically wrong. Exactly. But the if, this, if this had been a case where in the middle of the LRT discussion... 
But he had, but second, he had invested. He had put a bunch of family money into Bombardier, who was going to build the LRT thing, and had to recuse himself from the LRT. You would say, wait a second, how could you not? How can you make a decision financially that will? preclude you from being part of such a huge discussion, knowing this is going to be a big discussion. So let's, and again, I have no clue what the mayor's or the politician's financial status is and what they invest in and what but they don't. But that's irrelevant. But but you just said if he invests in Bombardier, that's that that would that would limit him from talking about LRT. It would. We all have investments somewhere, I would think. What if you have investments in the RBC or Bank of Montreal or or Coca Cola or or Amazon and they want to come here? What is he supposed to back out and say no? Because it's part of it. It's a very well, slim part it, of his portfolio. Oh, I can't. Uh, I got a few bucks in there. I can't say a word. Okay, so, so here I am going to have to disagree with my partner right out of the the shoot here, and I would say that. You know the the whole point of uh, what we expect of a of a, a, a the leader of our community, the mm-hmm. mayor, even though he's entitled to do this. It's all a, it's all about the whole idea of moral leadership, really. To be honest with you, and it's in the whole idea that you when you. Um, run for elected office, it's not just a job. This is not just a job. You're asking for the, uh, you, the people to put their trust in you. It's really about the kind of confidence and faith that they have in you of your impartial judgment. And this is where I would say uh, the concern is, like, like you started off with this. I would actually say to the mayor, really? Like, really? Is this what you want to do? I mean, you couldn't have put your money into a blind trust, for example. You couldn't have put your money, bought, uh, that's not where you know, the money shares is. in CP. That's right. But that's but not where the money is. This is a billion well, dollar then, business you know, and it's growing. Then maybe and you, the, you, you, you get in. Maybe you shouldn't be in this business you if it's all about money. You get in at the ground level. The and, and can I add to that? So it's right. You're in the ground, uh, in at the ground level. I'd be curious to know. Uh, and eventually, I imagine we'll find out where he's invested. So some of the key business, there's some key business people in Hamilton that are these startups are. So Jeff Pakin, I believe, owns one of these. Well, Jeff Pakin and the Pakin family do a lot of business and development business in in the city of Hamilton. It just adds that kind of like, meh, you know, it, no. it just gives you, it just puts this doesn't, inkling of a doubt in most people's minds. Doesn't bother one iota. Because I, I also know a few of the other investors, and I'm not going to say their names. Right. I know what companies they run. Agros. I know what businesses they're involved. No other ones. Yeah. And you know, I don't, I, I, I have no issue with what they're doing because, again, they're smart. That's why they're visionaries. That's why they're leaders. That's why they run companies. That's why they run cities because they see an opportunity and they go for it. I think there's a lot of people out there that are probably a little jealous saying, darn, well, but I no, wish I got in Mike, on that. here's the thing. When you say about the, you know, the, the investments that we have and stuff like that, I, our family has some RRSPs. And I'll be honest with you, I have, and this is not a point of pride, I, I am not good with money. My wife does the money stuff. I honestly could not tell you what companies, what businesses the RRSP companies have invested in. I I don't know if I've invested in TD Bank or in Merit Medical. I, I know I've bought RRSPs from this company, what they have their money. And if someone did an exploration, I might go, oh, I had no idea. But Very easy to get a simple snapshot of that, Scott. I, I Very know easy. I know it would be. I know, as I say, my, the problem I have is that I just... I'm, okay, it, fair enough. But w- knowing here, again, here's, here's where I come to with this issue. It's not about, and, and I want to clarify one more thing before we go on. This mm-hmm. is not about, this is not a moral thing on the marijuana. No, Let's absolutely. Leave out the, no, the, I'm not even talking about no, that. No, no, but Couldn't just in case less. someone this listening is misunderstanding. This is about conflict of interest in the position that he holds. In case someone is misunderstanding, this is not because it's a marijuana thing no. that we're talking about this. But knowing that this is going to be such a massive discussion point, is the reason why. So if it. you if you invest in something at the ground level, mm-hmm. good for you. Good mm-hmm. for you. Yep. But it seems that there are a few things that you know are going to be massive issues for the city to discuss over mm-hmm. the next little while. Mm-hmm. And those few things, it seems to me, it would be wise to steer clear of those few things. Not everything. If you're the mayor, it doesn't mean you can't invest in anything. You're, you're right. He's not going to be mayor forever. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean you can't look after your family. I just think that to pick just, the one thing that yeah. is so big right it, it, now. It, it exactly. Just, the it, one thing that's no, so big. That's so big billion dollar industry. So it big. Just, hey, I'm in. Point. Thank you very much. I don't know. It just shows... A little bit of like, like I would question his judgment on on this one particularly because it really is. I would say this will be a vulnerability uh, over the the balance of the course of his term in making decisions. Even if he's done everything right, he follows the, there's a municipal conflict of interest and we have an integrity commissioner and the, the code of conduct and even the letter of the law that the mayor follows every bit of it. It's just one of those, it puts a niggling doubt 
in everyone's minds about some not of the mine. decisions that he in, in lot. Okay, in many I agree. Not everyone in many people's minds, and and really, do you want? A mayor that has this sort of cloud hanging over his head. I can't help uh, uh, the puns, you know. Yeah, but well, <laughs> as I said earlier, he's a visionary. He's seeing an opportunity. He's going for it. He, I don't he, know. Visionary. He sees opportunity. Le- Leonardo da Vinci was a visionary. Oh, I don't know hey. about Mayor Bell. <laughs> we got Michael Baldessero regardless. Even well, though exactly. There we no, go. Yeah, Michael not, would be proud right now. It's not quite the same. Michael Baldessero, I'm sure, yes. He would be thinking, wait a second. Yeah. Wait a second. You should have voted for no, me. We would have had this a long time yeah. ago. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, and uh, again, I don't want to, I'm not suggesting. Mayor Fred is enjoying the product. No, no I'm not saying that at all. It's an investment. It's an investment. It is. Look, it, I, have we not had other councillors in the past have to uh, excuse themselves from various subcommittees some, and all that for for rental purposes or for? Uh, let's face it. Some oh, of them yes, have other sides of yes, jobs on the side. But Mike, here's the other part of this, though. If let's say Mike Fortune ran for council someday, and you would be great at this, but let's say you did, and you come into that job with some investments that you've already got. Mm-hmm. I have no pro- so and then you say I have to recuse myself because I have these investments and some of them have had clubs and some of them have had other things. But to put yourself in a position to 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 I know, after br- the to fact. add to it after you're in there. That's the that's the challenge of and, this. And it looks it, it has the potential to look like an insider game to be honest with you because some of the business people that are uh, starting up these grow-ups will certainly have done business uh, with the city of Hamilton, if not the mayor's office. But so that's there's the another world optic, we live right? in. Everyone you know, we knows everyone, especially in Hamilton. We try not we, for we, it to be, you know, in, it, like but, insider. In, well, then I, honestly, it, then I, and, you know, I, and I have, with, and I'm not saying it is, respect, but I'm saying I think it looks like that. You guys are blind to what goes on then, because everyone helps everyone else at some point. In business, and the higher you are up the chain, you help those, and so on and so forth. And if well, you're we'll if see. you're here in the ladder, you try to get up here. And sometimes people I, I, are helping everyone. I think this is going to have some legs too. I think this we're going to start to see again. One more pun. I do think we're going to start to see some high-profile names come about this, and we're going to wonder what is the nature of the business that they're doing. And it's not only does this preclude the mayor from commenting on anything to do with the marijuana industry. Does it then preclude him uh, making decisions about any of these business people that may have other interests? in the city like some of these are developers for example it it does and again that's these are some challenging things that come up and i i want to say up front that my experience what i've ever seen i have no concerns about fred eisenberger's integrity or his decisions on that on those kind of either the optics but it does sandy is correct in that it there will be people that will ask these questions and it's and whether those people are goofy for asking is even not the point. It's should you have, is this wise to have put yourself where they can ask those questions? That is really the issue. If you could hey, have avoided it. You, you're, you're under a year to go in your last term. We don't, maybe your last uh, term. Maybe your last term. I think he's, we, we don't going to run against him. He's going to be mayor again. Maybe he will, maybe he won't. That's Who my knows? prediction. He's going to be mayor again. Mayor Fortune. No, shh, bite your tongue. <laughs> Boy, we sure lit up this first segment. Uh, let's take a break. <laughs> take a, no, nobody light anything up. You uh, get it? Yeah. Like, boom, it took me a while. It took you a while there, but we got it. You're listening to The Scott Radley Show, weeknights from 7 to 9 on AM 900 CHML. Far more serious and far more uh, confusing almost to me. Now, we have not on this show intentionally, I'll be honest, intentionally we have not talked a lot about the fentanyl and opioids and all those kind of things because a couple reasons. One, because it has been well covered well to discussed on Bill's show in the mornings and Scott Thompson in the afternoon. And second, by and large, we, you know, try to keep the show a little bit lighter in the evening and people dying of fentanyl is really not a very light topic to send you off to bed. So that's generally why, but tonight we are because police departments across Canada now are laying manslaughter charges against dealers who give people, who sell people fentanyl, who then end up dying. And a quote came, this uh, McLean's magazine, and this was picked up a number of places. McLean's has a story about a guy who died in Innisfil, Ontario, just north of Toronto. And you're talking to a grieving, heartbroken, destroyed mother about her son. So what she's saying here, if it was my kid, I'm sure I would say the exact same thing. So this is not about mom, but she says, my son didn't deserve to die. He didn't deserve for the people to sell him this 
and for me to wake up in the morning and find him dead. He may, he, her son, may have held a gun to his own head, but the people that sold it to him are the ones that pulled the trigger. And what I wonder about this story as they start to lay manslaughter charges is, should they be laying manslaughter charges? They should be charging dealers, no question about that, but should it be manslaughter charges? And the reason I ask is because to me, the, the thing about the drug war obviously is that unless someone has tied you down and injected you or, or even not even tied you down, if they are, whatever her name was, who injected John Belushi with something he, you know, that she put into his body, Kathy Smith, if you willingly ingest something, ultimately, are you not responsible for your demise as terrible and sad as this story is? And it truly is. These are horrible stories. These are terribly sad stories, every one of them. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, are you not responsible if you willingly ingest a drug? If it goes wrong, is it not really on you rather than on someone else? I'll go to you first on this one, Mike. It's it's an excellent question. It's a very, it's a slippery slope, but I would have to say the answer is yes. You are, whether you're, whether this is happening when you're 16 or 17 or maybe even 15, let's say, you are accountable for your actions, whether it means uh, being on time for work, whether it means you you use some wrong wording towards someone and you offend them, you are accountable for what you do and for what you say. And if you have the money in your hand, you are making a decision to hand that money over to someone else for a product in return. This drug dealer isn't saying taking it. This drug dealer isn't, isn't doing anything except just selling his product. What you do after that with it is up to you. And that guy should, if they find him, he should be charged with dealing. And I he have... should be charged. But the chain goes higher than just the drug. The guy on the street, he, he's just one guy of the whole chain. You got a head kingpin who knows where, who's making all the cash. And now it goes one down, two down, three down, who knows how many down to the guy on the street. So as much as you want to charge the guy on the street, yes, there's other people in the chain that you should also be going after yeah, you as well. you got to work towards that. But Sandy, what about what about the, the idea of manslaughter mm. charges? Well, I think if we could step just back from this just a little bit. And I think what we're seeing is, isn't so much a, you know, a, a discussion of like the, our moral, ethical obligations as, as individuals or, or you know, as someone that sells a drug. I think what we're seeing are police <coughs> services across Canada and probably around the world struggling with a way to address this. I mean, y- you know that the, that they uh, there's, there's certain um, paramedics that won't deal with this because it's so um, lethal that if they just touch some of this fentanyl that they, they the, the, the first responders themselves uh, can, you know, suffer an overdose. So I guess m- my point would be, um, you know, I know you want this to be about whether that's morally or ethically, right? I think what we're looking at is is a policing tool, an attempt to try and bring some order to this because, you know, they're really having a hard time controlling this all the different ways that you've talked about. So I would, I would say um, that we need as a community to get together and look at the criminal justice system and say if this manslaughter charge is something that we are going to try and if it sticks and if in any way it deters both people from... Uh, using the drug and people from selling it, then let's, I, I don't see why we wouldn't try every tool in our arsenal to make this stop because, you know, what we are imagining really is a scenario where there's, you know, like the d- drug dealer shows up in a fancy car and sells something unwittingly to a young person. What you could have are friends, really, to, to teenagers or young, young people that are friends that don't even sell. They just provide for one another. Um, and then, you know, w- then that there's a real question. At that point, are we looking at manslaughter charges or, or you know, are we just trying to prevent uh, people using this drug in the first place? Let right? me go back to the mother's quote. And again, uh, heartbreaking, heartbreaking mm-hmm. stuff for a mother. I mean, it sounds like she found her son. I mean, the, the, it's it's unimaginable. And so, again, I, I, I completely sympathize with her. And this is not about picking on her or saying she's wrong. She's not. She's entitled to grieve. But when she says he may have held a gun to his own head, but the people who sold it to him are the ones that pulled the trigger. See, I think she has it backwards. Mm -hmm. I think they may have given him the gun, but ultimately he pulled the trigger. Mm -hmm. And so if this is legitimate 
if it turns out that this could be manslaughter, what about the idea that someone gets booze, gets drunk, Mm -hmm. and then commits a horrible act? Crazy as it may sound, our government is the dealer that sells the booze. Could could you be charging Kathleen Wynne with manslaughter because someone took the product that she sold, uh, you know, her proxy sold, and that person did... So- what about that guy who killed that family? The, the rich guy who... Oh, that Muzzo. was awful in Milton. Muzo. Muzzo. So could he turn around and say, no, that family shouldn't right. be going after me. They should be going after the government because the stuff that was deadly was provided to me. See, this is where you run into this problem. Ultimately, as Mike says, you are responsible for you. You are responsible for what you put into your right. body. Well, the same argument, though, an extension of this argument would be the tobacco industry. So there are all kinds of uh, lawsuits that are being settled. That, that, that I think it's J.R. Reynolds that have se- sold, you know, settled million-dollar lawsuits because their product was identified not to kill people, well, kill people slowly. And so that you know, is a drug dealer responsible for the impact that the product has? I mean, part of the part of the problem, as I understand it, also is that people are, aren't necessarily buying fentanyl, they're buying other drugs that actually happen to be laced with it. So that's the other part of of the argument. It's like, it's, you know, people that are... But use tobacco then. Let's go to your point about tobacco. You don't go, if you're buying from, I don't even know who makes tobacco anymore, but Company X, they make the cigarettes, but you don't buy from them. You buy from the gas station or the corner store. the government takes a huge Should they not then be the ones who are being sued? And I'm not arguing you should go and sue them, Mm -hmm. but they're the sellers. Not at all, because the cigarette company, they have uh, warnings all over their packages. They do everything to to let you know it's going to kill you. It's bad for you. They put images. Even with with driving, drink responsibly. Don't drink and drive. Driving can impact your judgment. So all the LCBO, I believe, and I know the, the cigarette company, they do everything to deter you. Not deter you, but they do everything to let you know this isn't good for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, drink and fair. When you're purchasing drugs from a from a, a gangbanger or some guy, or, or maybe even he's a high-end looking executive, because let's face it, they come in all shapes and sizes selling this stuff. There, there's no warnings it's not like the guy's going to sell you drugs and say, okay, now look, this might be a bit of a heavier dose right now, so make sure you don't take a lot and break right. it up a little bit. You purchase, you know what you're purchasing. You are purchasing something that could potentially be laced. Yeah, you're purchasing, you are, you are, and again, using mum's analogy, you are buying the, a bullet. You don't know. You don't know what's in it. It's like Russian roulette. It really is, and that's what people have bought. If you are, if you are going to go and buy drugs from someone on a street or wherever else, I don't think that it's reasonable to expect or to say, you know what, uh, there is a reasonable expectation of safety. There's no expectation no. of anything. You are taking a chance. And but there's a very good possibility that the dealer on the street doesn't even know what it's laced with because it came three generate three uh, ladders up on him. Sure, sure. I, look, I, 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 it is these stories are awful. These these Horrific. fentanyl and opioid and everything they're horrible. But I just don't know that how you separate this from all the other things, as Sandy, you've pointed out with tobacco and liquor and everything else, all the other things that kill people or that cause horrible things to happen. Mm-hmm. We don't, in all those other things, I remember covering a case one time, uh, I, I was working in a different newspaper and I was covering a murder trial and the guy who killed his wife was absolutely hammered when he did it. And the defense that they tried to use was that, he was not really in control of himself because of the alcohol. And it all came to the, the, the first thing was said was who put the alcohol into your body? Mm-hmm. So if someone had held you down and poured alcohol into you beyond your control, or even if you had gone to a party and you said, what's in that punch? And they said, oh, it's just orange juice. And you had some and you, it had something else in it. That's, that's a different story. Mm-hmm. But if you voluntarily put something into your body, mm-hmm. you have to be responsible for that. That has to be on you, exactly. I think. Yeah. But it is also possible we're not talk, We're talking about a vulnerable segment generally, uh, that people that don't may not be able to make those kinds of responsible decisions for themselves. I mean, may th- these may be young people that don't make they great may decisions. They may be addicts. They may be mental health issues. They may, so we're also talking about, about a vulnerable population that doesn't necessarily have the kind of skills to make those you know, reasonable responsibilities. But do they not drink? 
drink. Do, do people who are vulnerable not drink? Po- imagine they do. <laughs> but but then, so when they do something, so we don't say when they drive drunk then, if one of them does, well, you're a vulnerable right, person. Right, but we're talking about an illegal activity right now. I mean, I mean, you're, you know, we're comparing, I brought up cigarettes and alcohol, but they are r- regulated. And so if if someone, there, there are rules around that and there, there are um, consequences for abuse on both sides. Mm-hmm. But really what we're looking at is a... Um, a legal activity that it, that we cannot control, and so my question really is: if we can find this person and charge them with manslaughter, why aren't we just charging them with drug dealing or uh, you know criminal negligence or something else? I'm surprised that we're able to find somebody Sorry. that is you know I'm surprised and, we're even able to to uh, find someone to and, charge them with manslaughter. Right? And I just thought of something: yes, you got the guy on the street selling, but you also have the opioids that are purchased by a mother, father, whatever over-the-counter through a prescription, put in the medicine cabinet, and then the kid takes it as well, too. So, so, should so are you going to go after the pharmacy? Well, what about, yeah, what about mom and dad? Let's say, let's say right. daughter, you know what I mean? Let's like say daughter takes some of mom's pills and gives them to a friend and the friend dies. Should mom be charged because she didn't take good enough care? These are, it's such a complicated issue. I just don't see how, unless, the only way that I could see that this would be that I could wrap my head around this charge is if somehow the person, the guy or the girl selling the drugs knew that they were lethal pills or lethal whatever fentanyl comes in and doesn't tell the person and says, oh, it's something else. If they intentionally mm-hmm. lied to the person and they thought they were getting one thing and they're how are you going to prove that? How are you going to prove that? How Unless there's a tape somehow, how are you going to prove that? So... This is an interesting one, though, and, because... And you, you led... you led, I know... I think we got to go. I can tell you're starting to wrap up here. You started this by saying, you know, we like to keep the show light and more or less, but I, I think... No, but I think this is an important topic to talk about. I understand all the other shows it's been on here on this station and throughout. I think it's important even for your audience, Scott, sure to hear something about this, to talk about it, and hopefully maybe some kids are around and they can talk to their kids about Absolutely. it tonight as well, too. And I don't think people think that doesn't I don't happen think to do. us or our family. And I think sort of the whole idea that this is something that yeah. happens in, in, you know, in, in, in like really, uh, lo- I don't know, low-income, vulnerable neighborhoods. This is, is a, this is all across the board from low-income, middle-class, high-income. Exactly. All. And I think the unfortunate no thing about it is this is, this is an uh, you know this is an unforgiving thing. So you know young people may just try this the one time and it's unforgiving. You don't get a second chance with this. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show weeknights from seven to nine on AM nine hundred CHML. This one is something that none of us are ever going to find ourselves dealing with. But I found this very interesting. A couple in Forest Hill in Toronto, nice hoity-toity area of Toronto. I know where you're going. Has sued their neighbors because the neighbors rebuilt their house. Now, the, the neighbors apparently hmm. doing the suing are architects. They had built this gorgeous home. The neighbors rebuilt their home, and basically it sounds like just said, hey, make it look like that, <laughs> and copied from what we hear the first neighbor's house. And so the first neighbor who tried to build this unique, very attractive home now has an, a, a house doppelganger right on their street, and they've, they're suing for, I guess, the cost of... I mean, 2.5 million bucks, I guess they're talking about rebuilding their whole house again just to make it look new. Are you, what do you think about the idea of suing a neighbor because they've stolen your idea? Because your house looks identical? Your house I think looks that was one same. of the most stupidest things. Have you not driven up and down any streets where townhouses and condos are? Uh, like, that is one of the dumbest things yeah, but I if have you ever go heard to the in my old, life. If you go to the old established areas uh, in different cities, go right to Westdale, that you don't have all the houses. Look, you intentionally want to have a nice home that look, I mean, look, not everyone is going to live in that area, but if you have one and you put the thought into <laughs> what can I build that's unique and lovely, and then someone turns around and takes the idea, it's kind of like home plagiarism. Imitation is a oh. sincere well, there form is of that. flattery. There is that, but. There, there's two <laughs> ways I want to go with this. One is like, I can't even think of a more first world problem yes. than this. <laughs> it's obscene to start with. Yeah. Um, but the second part, pa- and, and and not in any way understanding or empathizing that this is what is of concern to you in your life when we have the kind of uh, the kind of justice and the kind of <laughs> w- you know world that we have now. So I don't get that. But then I just wonder, what are they suing for? Is it a copyright infringement? I suppose you know people like you said, Mike. Honestly, people. 
um, most of us are just really, we have a home that looks nice and houses our family. And as long as the roof isn't caving in, we're pretty happy with that. But, you know, when you go to a certain next, next kind of like level up, if you will, people want architecturally significant mm. homes. And I mean, some of the f- most famous architects designed homes for, you know, the captains of industry, right? So if you, you know, Frank Lloyd Wright, for example, all his buildings were, you know, Sears had one and Robot, Robot cut the other. So I can understand, you know, I don't understand, but the mindset is that our my home is this is a piece of art. We've invested in an architect and someone to come along and just And if copy you are it, an architect and if you are if this is part of your business to say look at your, how unique my home that's your is. Trade, right? That see that's the only part of this that I kind of don't think is goofy. That if this is your business and if this is as you say your trade and your house is a reflection of look what I can do for you. And then right across the street, there's another one exactly the same. You go, well, that's not really all that unique anymore. That I can kind of see. But at the same time, I still do find it hard to to imagine that somehow... It's worth two and a half million bucks. The really scary thing would be is if you walked in and if I, it was identical as well. <laughs> that would be, you know, that would photos. be something, exactly. that would be something else. But, you know, again, at the end of the day, uh, I think this is r- truly not an issue. I, I, I guess I can see where they're coming from. But you know what? Why don't, why don't you try to embrace it? Maybe have some fun with it now. You know, come up with theme things at Christmas. Okay, hold on. Let me, interrupt for, Let me interrupt for one second. Because you two both do TV. What if someone also on cable 14 came along and started a TV show on cable 14 and what they did was basically exactly the same as what you guys have established you would probably say you'd go to Brent who runs the place and go Brent do you think you could maybe ask them to like change something so it doesn't look so there I mean there is flattery is great but you also if you build something that is yours and that is unique to yours there is something about wanting it to still be yours that's why we have plagiarism rules in the media right, business you can't just say you know what I mean not that anyone's ever done this but that you can't just say Scott I loved what you wrote I'm going to steal that and not right. give you any credit for it and the, and the whole copyright and I know when you get plans and designs they have to be signed off by architects and that, that there's money involved in that but I did funny enough I just happened to see this it was not something that would usually stop me in my tracks but I looked at it and I looked at the two pictures um, and I don't know if you've ever seen on internet where they do the someone tries to make there's a professionally made birthday cake and then somebody tried to copy the same <laughs> the thing and the, and the signs below it says nailed it and the, the other cake is all lopsided that's kind of what it looked like if you compared what the original house looked like to their attempt to copy it it was sort of a, you know, it was, it was kind of a rickety uh, com- comparison. You yeah, know? I wouldn't say it's rickety, but I know what you're getting at. It's not, uh, the one of them looks like it's the original, right. very date, not dated, dated in a good way. The, the, like a, yeah, uh, it, it has a classic kind of line. And the other one is, hey, do that. This looks like a knockoff. It, it looks like, yeah, exactly. It looks like uh, the, the one of those brands, the no-name brands. That's pretty close. I but kind of say it serves them all right. How's that? That's fair. <laughs> I just don't know. I mean, what, what do you do even if even if you win the lawsuit? Do you, you I guess you knock your own house down well, and start over to make a new one? I guess because so you can't force them to knock it down. I guess. It's just what are a, they? What are, are they? What are they exactly suing for? Like, I think there's a lot of stuff we don't know about. This well, there's two and a half. It's well. a two and a half million dollars for a million and a half for. Uh, what did they say here? Pain it's and a, suffering. A million and a half in damages, twenty thousand dollars in statutory copyright damages, and a million in punitive damages. Oh, and a mandatory injunction on the defendant to change the design of uh, their home. So they want the other people to have to change their home mm. as well as everything but else. But they're not going to, if they win this, they're not going to have enough money to change the home. <laughs> yeah, so they're going to have to sell. <laughs> oh, they're going to have to sell. <laughs> ah, first world problems, as you say, big Sandy. Time. In a big, big way. First world problems. I, um, I just hope that one day I do something well enough that somebody wants to copy it. <laughs> <laughs> That's, I, think, I was thinking about our, Mike and I show we could have like the Fernwood Tonight version. Of yeah. <laughs> You're listening to the Scott Radley Show weeknights from seven to nine on AM nine hundred CHML. There was a uh, uh, an interesting discussion that came up in the uh, school. I guess it was a school board meeting this week in Hamilton about whether or not kids should be using iPads hmm. in class or whether or not these are simply toys. And, you know, I've actually thought this for an awful long time that I'm not entirely sure that arming children with devices that can play videos and surf the net 
is the ideal way to get their attention in class because we know, take even those away, kids in high school, let's say, who have cell phones, teachers are constantly complaining about how we can't get the kids to break themselves away from their phone. It's a lure. It's a draw. So now we're going to give things to younger kids who know how to use this stuff. Uh, you know, my thought is that you, you can use these in class for certain projects and stuff, I guess, but I, very seldom. I, I just, I just don't see the need to be bringing this kind of stuff and putting these in the hands of every kid in the classroom. I don't see it. So I will admit that I did not read the article. I think it was the trustee was, is it Don uh, Danko was the trustee mm. that raised this issue. And I am mildly aware that, that uh, school kids are using iPads in schools. So I can only, you know, uh, my opinion is based on watching my grandkids, to be honest with you. And uh, they have, they, you really have to police their screen time. And they really, uh, it, I would just uh, generalize it as a very addictive behavior because I see them really, really wanting to be on the screen. And we start at a younger age. Um, you know, I, I would say, for example, the, you know, we have been introduced to screens and iPads and phones at a later stage. And we probably have, we remember what it was like to read a book. Or but we've to break still away. changed our brains. But we still praise your brain. So if we, but we're instilling this at such a young age and they say then you know the you know the neurons like the the the, the brain pathways are still forming in, up until you're something like 21 years old so i would say that the access to information uh, it, it improving you know student knowledge and access to information and kind of leveling the play f- playing field because it may be that certain kids don't have access to any of these electronic devices or access to the internet at home because it can be expensive. I think there's some merit in that, but I would say that's really new and that we should be really monitoring this carefully, not just as you said, thinking this is how could this how could there be anything wrong with this? Because I do think there are some consequences or some impacts that we just aren't even aware of yet. What was the original question again? Because Honestly, I could go on for the next ten minutes of this segment because Are you I saying ha- I talk too long. No, 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 no. That <laughs> was his no, no. brain has been rewired <laughs> by device my, my re- usage. My brain has been rewired because I have a thirteen and a nine-year-old. Yes, and I am in. I'm not embarrassed to admit this. They are iPad junkies. That's what I'm saying about my grandsons. And I get so angry. Mm-hmm. Like, believe it or not, I can pull my hair out. Right. You got lost. It grows back quick. Yeah. He does that. Because it drives me up the wall. Right. Two weeks ago, you and I were at an event together. The, uh, sorry, rude to point. We we were at the, uh, the the Lion's Lair. We were at the Lion's Lair event. That's right. And I bumped into a lady who worked at Mohawk College and we started talking. She asked about my kids. 13, nine years old. Jaden Presley, if you're listening, I love you. Get and off I, your iPad. I, 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 yeah, get off your iPad. <laughs> but I told her the situation. I go, it drives me nuts. They come home from school. They're great. They put their dishes away. They do their homework. First thing, make sure they do their homework. Their entertainment is to watch their iPads, to watch their videos. I police. I got mm-hmm. the street smarts. I'm always watching. I go into their history. Mm-hmm. I see what they're doing, what they've been watching, something I don't like. She told me this is the way of the future because this is what they are still creating hand-eye coordination. You should see these kids, how they can zip, zop, do this, do that, and it's phenomenal. You don't want them to be too far behind as they move forward. You and I and Scott, we don't care about all this stuff necessarily. But if they get left behind and if they're not on the screens, they might get bumped out of their jobs. I have seen my son do some amazing projects on his iPad. They are spectacular editing, uh, music, fade in, fade out, 13 years old, you're doing this? Mm-hmm. My nine-year-old daughter can get on and do things quicker than I can on my laptop. So I do see benefits. As a parent, it drives me up the wall because I, I think like you, Scott, I was a sports guy. I was out playing sports constantly from morning, noon to night, come home for lunch for 10 minutes and go back out. I think we have to accept that this is the way it is. And I think if the school boards are going to bring this in, mm-hmm. has to be monitored, uh, safe, security, firewalls all put into place. But y- you can't have children left out, as you alluded to earlier, who can't afford them. Right. The school board is going to have to make a decision, Catholic and, and district. Or, all right, it's iPads for everyone or don't do it all, maybe. 
You have to come up because you're going to leave people do. out. Yeah. And, and if this will cut down on the costs of books and all that, so be it. You put in an, a, a proper procedure to check in, check out your iPads, whatever the case might be. Well, or, or, and I don't know if this happens or not. Sorry. I know that at one, no, I know at one time we talked that in, I think it was the Toronto school board, they were talking about shutting off the Wi-Fi in schools during the day. See, if you're going to have the iPads and you're going to have them in the class and it's going to be in the place of textbooks and you can save money, whatever else, you know what? Okay. But make it so that you, you don't, the kids and maybe they, maybe this is the case already. I don't know. I, I apologize for not knowing this part. I haven't been able to find the answer, but if it just make it so you can't go online during class. So it's not a distraction. It's not something I can do. If it's going to be used for Mike, what you're talking about, if it's technology and you can use it to design stuff, but a lot, most of that stuff can be apps that are on there that you don't necessarily need to be wired online where you have access to be just fooling around. They can be usable iPads, that kind of technology. Yes, that should be. But again, the other part of it is, and Sandy sort of jokingly, but accurately points out, we have had people on the show, you can listen to experts all over the place, say technology has rewired our brains and given us the attention span of a tick. It's exactly true. And, and so now in school, I'm not sure that in class we should be very much anyway furthering this. We should be forcing kids, and it may be forcing them, to have to not have instant stimulation it's 24 exactly hours a day. Sit there mind. and listen to the teacher. And if the teacher talks for 15 minutes, you know what? It may be killing you, but you are going to have to pay attention for 15 minutes. And when you get older, it's 30 minutes. When you get older, it's 40 minutes. In our real life, you can't just say, you know what? I'm only good to do my job for three exactly. minutes and then I need to go run around for a while. I- exactly. And I mean, so there's, conflicting information out there about w- what 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 uh, these this our screen time is doing for us so no we're talking about not just using the the iPads as a as a as basically as a book or or some sort of reference uh, we're talking about uh, the, actually looking at a screen so they, they're actually saying that the actual physicality of a screen could be dif- could be damaging to our eyes the CDC the the Center for Disease Control and the American Journal of Medicine, right? They both, they said that you need to be limiting kids' screen time to an hour. So, you know, we all watch TV. We Which watch means a cutting out about eight hours it, for most exactly. kids. Exactly. And so we, you know, we all watch TV and I sound like I'm a thousand years old, but I really agree with you that it's not, it's a different beast than watching TV. The very fact that, uh, it, you know, the short attention span, the constant gratification. I mean, there are studies about why do people check their email so often? Because you get a little dopamine hit every time you hear ding, ding, ding. So we're turning ourselves into Pavlov dogs but are, because, uh, yeah. Are we, <laughs> are we all not guilty of that? Absolutely. And now, because I know you, you put your, did you put your phone back in yes. your purse? You did. I didn't. No. And, and during this whole conversation, for people that can't see us because we're on the radio, Sandy. Which is everybody. Sandy, while I'm <laughs> oh, talking, yes. you'll check your phone. Well, while I'm talking, you know, Scott, you're on your computer looking up another question or whatever. You guys are talking. I'm looking at my phone. So, so it's so bad. It, I don't think that's is great. Is it bad well, or, or is it, is it, is it uh, uh, um, a lesson on how to multitask? Well, so, I don't know. Okay, so I can listen to Sandy, but you know what? Let me just, oh, what just happened on Twitter? What, what's happening in the Ticat game? Okay, yeah, okay, good, yeah. Oh, yeah. And but I'm, again, I'm I won't be able to listen. Str- so I don't know the answer. We, no, none I of us do, obviously, because we spend too much time on our phones. But to be honest with you, this constant stream of information isn't knowledge. I mean, we're not sitting and we, we don't have time to have thoughtful dialogue with people. We don't have time to really, you know, work out theories. So this is just a whole s- random series of information. And I, I mean, I don't, I don't know, obviously, and I don't know if this is the case, but, you know, um, I'm restless all the time. And I don't know why that is, but I, I do believe it's because of, the, of my access to my phone. Looking at my phone all the time, if there's a little tiny downtime in my day, boom, check Twitter. I don't know that that's awesome. I think what, if there's some downtime in my day, can I just be calm and kind of meditate? What we're saying a lot of the time with our kids is because our kids don't have a lot of attention span, let's change education to fit with their brains. Right. Rather than saying, our kids don't have attention spans, let's work on extending their attention right. spans by taking away their devices right. and bringing them a little bit back to mm-hmm. 
maybe something that is a little more functional. Now, there's nothing wrong with technology. And if they want to go, they're going to go home. Many of them, there's a lot of kids that their parents aren't home when they get home from school. They're going to go to their computer, their iPad, their TV. To me, I'm not saying don't have technology in school. Far from that. We need to have technology in school. But I think that school should also be a place that is different from home. You do things differently. You're learning things. And part of what the learning is, is learning how to actually pay attention. That's, I, I, I think that. Yeah. And, and, but the school's. There's so much, so many other things also changing in school, and I'm I'm in the heart of it right now yes, with, with I an eight and a gra- with a yeah. grade eight and a grade four, uh, yeah, grade eight and grade four. Like they don't teach cursive writing in our school. No, I can imagine they because can't even hold a pencil. So at I'm some like, point. so I'm thinking, okay, you're not teaching cursive. That's fine. I think it's very important at least that you you have a signature. Right. You have to sign checks. You have to be able to do something. Have a signature so both kids know. So I'm telling, I'm encouraging them. Okay, well at least practice your typing skills. Practice now mm-hmm. because when I was in grade nine, ten at Sir McNabb, Typing class for me, that was a free period. I skipped. I never went. <laughs> the mark showed it. But you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. do it now while you're well, young. So so take some of this technology that you're doing and, and try – because there's no turning back. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I see what you're saying, Scott. There's no turning back. But, there, but it's not about turning back. It's not about turning back. We, we taught people to use devices, and now we've reached a point where we maybe need to teach people to live with a little less devices. I'm not. It's not about don't use them. It's I don't want to. I don't want to make people not have their devices. I but think it's about you, balance. When you talk about typing, you want to know how most people now. You know how my kids type thumbs. Mm-hmm. They think the only things you need to type are your thumbs. And that's and I'm being a little bit over the top and being a little bit excessive on that one because they do know how to type, but it's. It is a thing that we do, I think, need to just bring it back a bit and say, you know what, let's use the technology, use it for what we need, but restrictively. We're too far into it. We can't. But I think we need to be mindful because I think we are losing out um, on a a lot of what makes a rich, robust life because we do have our noses and our devices all the time. I always joke, remember, you know, you'd be at a dinner party and someone would say, ah, who won the 1956 Stanley Cup? And everybody could say, I don't know. And that was good enough. But no, instead, everybody... Has to rush through the phone. There's there's no such thing as not knowing now. So then we were on the phone on the. So instead of just talking to people, we all rush our phones to to, to Google the answer. So let me right? take this back just a little bit. And again, not not to be come across as disrespectful at all. But you know, when when the phone first came out, or or the television first came out, the idiot box, the idiot box. Were, were these discussions also not had? Because before the TV, the family would get around and listen and laugh together around a radio. Mm-hmm. You're listening. You have to pay attention. Then all of a sudden, doesn't it? And again, I don't know. I wasn't there. The TV comes out, and all of a sudden, you just have to sit and stare. You don't have to think. Yeah. You don't have to talk. So were those discussions not had Probably. back then? Mike, let me ask you something. Your kids. Yeah. And how old are they again? Uh, Jaden is 13 <laughs> and Presley is 9. 13 and 9. Ask them what grades they are in again. No. 8 and 4. Oh, okay. <laughs> Do they like reading? No. And see, this this is the biggest thing for me, is that w- most kids that I've talked to, that I've seen, most kids don't read now. And whether you say, okay, we're past the point where you we can go back, reading is a... We talk about how you have to have technolog- technological skills. You have to be able to communicate. To, in order to communicate, in order to, un- to be able to speak and to express yourself, you have to know how to do that. Now, a big part of that is you learn that by reading. That's how you learn how to write. That's how you learn what good writing is. That's how you learn ideas. Kids, most kids, I don't want to say all kids, a lot of kids, maybe I'll just put it that way, don't read because they don't like to. And why don't they like to? Because they like having everything placed in front of them. You don't have to imagine. No, if it's on TV, it's right. To, everything is given to you. You don't have to use your brain. And so this is one of the things that I'm talking about. Let's not eliminate technology. If you want to use technology somehow to incorporate reading, but we've, we seem to have gone to a place where we have decided certain things are not really that important. As long as you can, we want great math skills. We want all these great math how come our EQAO scores in this city and in this province keep going down and down and down, even though we have more and more technology? Shouldn't those things go hand in hand that we get better? Like, I, I, anyway, it just, it's, it to me seems like it's, this is one of those things. I'm glad this trustee brought this up. I at least would like all of our trustees to have a really serious discussion about what are the benefits of this and how are we using this? And is there a way we can still use it without it being 
as I mean, it seemed that she was raising it as an idea of these are toys as opposed to devices. If this is really helpful, great. Let's use it for really helpful things, but let's make sure that it's not something that, and I'm not pointing fingers at any teacher, but a teacher on a slow day that doesn't have a great lesson plan can say, ah, go, uh, go work on your iPad. Mm-hmm. And then it's just well, free time. I used to teach adult ed, and I had Scrabble boards <laughs> when that happened. Yeah. But I think that, you know, I, I imagine the school board has policies and practices around this. I don't know, but I imagine that they would. But I almost feel like this should have been treated somewhat like a pilot project, and they should Well, have, I think it has been. I think it but, has been, but it's... but the And I no. really do think that not just the impact on learning, but the impact on behavior. I think that this is something that... You know, we really introduced something into a school board that's dramatically different into, into kids' lives. It's dramatically different than what we've done before. And I feel like it's kind of a live experiment, and we don't really... We have a lot of live experiments. And, and, and perhaps, you know, may, maybe though we're also missing... I can't believe I'm defending iPads, but maybe this is, <laughs> this isn't, this is a chance for kids. Maybe there's a whole other part of our brain that we're not aware of that this is just going to unleash a lot of creative things. We truly don't know. As you said, we don't know what the no, outcome will be. No, we don't, yeah. Well, as uh, as you say that, I will pick up my brand new yep. iPhone. There you right. go, and uh, and let's, check my emails. Tweet each other. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show weeknights from seven to nine on AM nine hundred CHML. We had a story this week that we chatted about on this show. Um, that I, I I'll say right up front, I disagree with entirely. But that makes no difference. They're not going to change it because I do. But apparently a lot of other people do too. There was a lot of people making a lot of comments about this. The news this week that the Boy Scouts of America would be admitting girls now. That the Boy Scouts is not the Boy Scouts, it's the Boys and Girls Scouts, which also the Girl Guides of America is upset about because they're saying, hey, you're just going after our people and trying to undercut us by bringing our members into yours. But got me thinking, while I disagree with it, they're going ahead, but it makes me wonder if we're going to say we can have girls in Boy Scouts, we can have girls in boys sports, we can have this, is it time then to just say, you know what, we're going to just, that all unisex organizations, all of them are dinosaurs and should be gotten rid of. So there should be no more men's business clubs. There should be no more women's fitness clubs. There should be, if it, it, we're past that now. Sandy, we're past it. We're we're a bigger, broader people. There's no gender. There's no need for divisions. We don't need any place where men can be Mm. with men and women can be with women. It should all be one big melting pot. What do you think? That makes me laugh. Mike's really staring at me. He's glad you went to me first. (laughs) What is she going to say? (laughs) Well, let's start with the choice should be there. Whether you, I I don't think that they should be restricted so that you could say to anyone, you cannot join, you know, the boy cannot join girl guides and vice versa. I think the choice. But boys can't join the girl guides. Okay, they not? No, girls can join the Boy Scouts, but boys can't join the Girl Guides. Is that just because the Girl Guides, ha- they're protecting their cookies? Is that... <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. Wow. I don't know I if that's that. a double word or that <laughs> I don't know if that's a double entendre. I but didn't mean it to be. <laughs> so, so we took it. So I guess those... Org- so if you look at clubs... <laughs> yes, you did. If you look at uh, clubs or organizations, I guess you're offering a product. And so the point being, is this a product that a, a boy would want to join? And now we're being so heteronormative as well, right? So, so we're, we have to understand that each individual needs to be able to have a choice to say, is this the club for me? Is what goes on at the Girl Guide something that I'm interested in that fits with, m- with my interest or lifestyle at the Boy Scouts? Because I imagine they do very different things. So I, I guess what Similar I'm trying to say different, is that sure. I, I really, I, I, I would actually say yes, it's time for all of these um, divisions to not be enforced, that there should be some fluidity and that it, each individual can make the choice. I would like to join the Girl Scouts, I will, oh, Girl Guides. See, I, already just, I just call them Girl Scouts. There Girl you go. Scouts. Now we know what we're doing. But I mean, I think that we've come a long way from when women weren't allowed to go to the men's club. And even the, the YMCA for a long time, we, women were not allowed to go to the YMCA. And I think I had heard that the biggest uh, holdout on that were men that like to swim in the nude at the YMCA. So Which may be the case, but my, <laughs> but the point then would be, and, and some people will say this is a stupid thing because look, it doesn't really matter. But if we have said that women want to be able to go to the YMCA and men should not, you know, if men swimming nude is the big issue, put on some clothes. Why, honestly, because everyone poo-poos this, but why should men then not be allowed to go to the YWCA? 
Are they not allowed to go I don't believe they're... I, well, here's a perfect Kid. example. Here's a perfect example. If I were to say that I want to go, and there are fitness clubs called women's only, and women's Herbs. this... I was going to say. Can I sign and up I for say, look, Yes, you can. Uh... I tr- several years ago, and I talked about this earlier in the week, several years ago when the big fuss was going on about women joining Augusta National Golf Course, where mm-hmm. the Masters is, the I wrote a story and I called around to a whole bunch of different women's organizations and tried to join. Right. And every one of them, I was told, no, there are no exceptions. You cannot join. If I were to call one though, women's only, some women's only fitness club and say, your schedule fits better for me and your programs fit better and I want to join, I have been told that no, you can't because women want a place where they can not feel judged, not feel looked at, not feel, I'm not, and if it's go- good for the goose, it's good for the gander is the old phrase. that's where I think it goes for, for some, for some guys too. You want to go to a place where you can just blow off a little bit of steam, have a, have a drink or something. <laughs> Sandy, Sandy, Sandy. You know, have here's a, what I say. Have a drink and, and just what? chill out. Sit around in your... I don't know. What goes what about on? Private, what about private schools that have just boys or just girls? Yeah, I don't know. So my argument is, and it's a very flimsy one. And, and you and notice that, how we're all being very tentative with our answers here? Because we don't want to say the wrong we're, thing because we're going to offend someone out there listening. So I hope I don't do that. But what I'm trying well, to say is that I think that... I think that, that I think that, you know if we just made things available to everyone and continue to offer what we're offering, the dust would settle. It, you know, I think at the end of the day, if a woman's club where they do, we ask me, I like to go to Zumba. So you know, I go to a woman's club where we go. We there's Zumba and there's meditative yoga. Open it up to men, and if they want to come, they can come. My guess is that. And I could be being prejudicial, but my guess is not like there'll be more women that are interested in going to Zumba than men, but I don't know. So what I'm saying is just open it up and see how that all You don't think that a lot of the women who go to those places would be not happy if suddenly it was, there were guys who were there. And I'm not saying they hate men. That's not what I'm saying, but they, the reason, as I understand it, that a lot of these clubs, these, especially these fitness clubs have been put in is for a comfort level that you can just be yourself. But I think we're really trying to do away with all of this. I mean, even look at the fuss that we have, that the, or the the whole idea about having, you know, change rooms and washrooms that are gender gender neutral to allow people not to have to identify. I'm a man. I'm a woman. I go in this door. You go in that door. I think the idea that is really that all these doors should be open, and at the end of the day. People would just choose where they want to go and not go. And I mean, I'm just speaking for myself. I can't speak for all, you know, um, uh, all, all people, obviously, and all, all uh, people that choose to go to Zumba. But I really do think that it's the whole idea that we're, that we're, we're um, I, I think we're making a big fuss about it because I said if you just make it available, people would tend to go where they want to go. But it's the service that I'm talking about more than anything. It's what happens when you go to this club. What happens when, you know, when you go to the Girl Guides, they do a lot of different things that may be different than Boy Scouts, or it's like women and men's sports. I mean, you know, I think we'll gravitate to what we're interested in if we're allowed to be, have access. To bring it back to how this originally started, I, I think if, if, if the girls want to go to Cubs or Scouts or whatever the, the levels are, then you have to open it up on the flip side. You, you have to. You can't, like you said. And nobody may go. No, no boy may go to, to Girl Guides. Option. You have to give the option. Say, yes, we will welcome any young man, any, any uh, young mind that's developing, maturing, who wants to be part of our group. Yes, we will also welcome them just how we're expecting the girls to come into the Scouts. Right. And I, but I, and I do think we need to be mindful that people aren't, just don't identify as, a, as male and female. There's a lot of fluidity now. It, you know, we have t- transgender, we have intersex. We have, we're trying to break down those barriers so people don't have to be uh, identified. We want to be, you know, we want there to be a lot, uh, we're trying so let, to make this more So let me jump so to the end of this thing, yes. the end of this discussion, because here's where you're going to end up with a massive problem because we have decided that all the walls need to be broken down. Mm-hmm. And one of the places, and maybe there will be others, but sports is going to be one of them. Because if we then say ultimately that there, that girls can play boys, boys can play girls, ultimately then there's no difference. We're just going to have one. We will have one hockey team for your school and boys and girls will try out and whoever makes it, makes it. And we'll have one basketball team and boys will try out and girls will try out. And if that's where we go, Girls will be pushed right out of sports because we do have physiological differences. We do. If you were to have a tryout at a at most high schools, boys and girls together, 
not insulting girls, but the boys are going to make the team by and large. A lot of them are taller. A lot of them are stronger. It's not that girls are bad. It's girls play basketball with girls. Boys play with boys. There's a reason. But if we start to say there can be no lines, you end up with this thing where we say, well, then why is there a line there? Why is there a line here? But So, I mean, we're talking more about evolution, not revolution when it comes to this. And the whole point, of, I mean, if, even if you look at uh, contact sports, I mean, people are horrified, not me, but some people are horrified because of all the, the idea about some of the, the, the traumatic brain injuries. I, I heard your show the other night w- when you were talking about Sean O'Sullivan. Mm-hmm. That was a brilliant show, and I remember him. And there, and I, ju- I like you, like to watch, you know, heavyweight fights. But I also understand so the, the cringe. The cringe. So maybe we're also talking about sports evolving. So that I mean, uh, I've seen. But are you going to put Merriweather, uh, Floyd, uh, Floyd Mayweather, in with uh, Ronda Rousey? They talked about it, uh, right? But didn't happen. And you know why they? You know why it never happened? For two reasons. One is because it was ridiculous, and two is because. Whether we think we are evolved as a people or not, if you put a man and a woman in a boxing ring and have a, and allow a man to punch a woman in the head, every single person, even if it's by her choice and even if it's with part of the rules, everybody will go, oh, I can't watch that. And we right. think we're evolved. We think it's all even. We still would not want to see that. So that exact same situation would happen in an NHL game. Where if, if you have if you have a, 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 a woman playing on one team and a guy playing on another team, and it's in the NHL, and and let's say let's say the the woman is uh, has a Darcy Tucker mentality, you know the little pesky person, you know that's always kind of in your face. What happens with Darcy? People throw down the gloves, they start going. Are you going to do Mike, that? But Mike, the bigger that's problem. What I'm talking but about. the bigger problem is hey, uh, Haley Wickenheiser, who was arguably at the peak of her right. career was the best women's hockey player ever decided to play in a men's league in Finland. Mm-hmm. She made it as a second or third liner on the third division team in Finland. And she was the best female hockey player. Now that doesn't mean women's hockey is bad. It means the gap between the best men and the best women physiologically is still very large. And if you say we're going to get rid of all divisions, exactly. Women will have no place in sports, and that is wrong. That is wrong. But what I'm saying is why can't the sport evolve? Because I know many people that do not watch hockey. Like, I'm a big hockey fan. No, but uh, let's say track and field. How do you evolve track to say if it's all one and everyone has to run against... Well, maybe weight classes or there's... I mean, look at all the different classes that they have in boxing or the different... I mean, Yeah, but then they also have the female 100 and the male 100. That's a class. Well, who who knows? There's Bobby Riggs and Billie Jean King. (laughs) That happened. You yeah, know? that was an exhibition, though. Well, and, okay, but it, <laughs> the, the point TV. of it is, the, and, the, and yeah, we'll get into that one later, because you had a guy who was an over-the-hill, washed-up player against the best woman of her time. It was it, it was an interesting story. It was a fun story. I'm not sure, and I, I know there's a new movie out about it, and I know is this there? is, yeah, yeah. And, and it's not really, you're not really supposed to say this, but I'm not sure that that was the best against the best in a real matchup. Nonetheless, the point of this whole thing with the Boy Scouts and the girls and everything else is... I'm not sure, and maybe I'm just a dinosaur, but I'm not sure that we need to eliminate all the lines and say it's somehow bad for boys to have time with boys and girls to have time with girls. Not exclusively, not in a segregated way so you have no interaction, but to say for two hours a week, the boys get to go and play with the boys and the girls are with the girls. I just, I don't see the problem with that. I really don't. I really don't. Well, I don't know what we're worried about because all our kids are going to just be at home watching their iPads anyway. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) Selling Girl Guide cookies virtually. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. No more knocking on doors. You know, that'll be the next thing (laughs) because actually the Girl Guides have really taken umbrage at this because they're saying... You're you actually the woman the head the woman who runs the girl guides her comment I don't have the exact quote was basically how about you go after the ninety five percent of American boys who don't participate in your program right. instead of our girls who you're going to try and lure a, over there and that's what I'm saying this is a this they're offering a service or a product or a commodity you, is what it yeah, is yeah you watch right? now the now the Boy Scouts are going to start selling cookies exactly that's just that's to take it to saying. really crush that's the girl right. guides and it'll be all out warfare it'll <laughs> be like that scene in Everybody Loves Raymond where they were selling girl guide cookies on the street corner <laughs> fist fights over the cookies Cookie the boy scouts will come out with new flavors that will just up overturn right, the apple right. cart entirely oh it, uh, the tough tough topic man uh mm. it's tough yes sorry did you have kids mike i'm kidding uh quick break <laughs> 
You're listening to The Scott Radley Show, weeknights from 7 to 9 on AM 900 CHML. By show of, not hands, because <laughs> no one could see that, by show of voices, which of you would make your way down to upstate New York to try Tim Horton's new Buffalo nope. Wing Latte? Read about that. That's disgusting. Oh, that is gross. How'd you start your morning off like that? We had that this debate in our office. I thought today. pumpkin spice was bad. We've talked about pumpkin spice here. I thought pumpkin spice was over the top. We've hit the pumpkin spice limit, but making a coffee that tastes like a chicken wing, yeah. to me, yeah. is an odd. Somebody though, I'll, like listen. This is very market. smart marketing because here's say. what's happening. We're talking exactly. about Tim Hortons right off the hop. So you and know what? Everybody wants to try one. Well, it, even if they don't want to try one, they're like, you know what? Oh, I got a hankering for a Tim's. I'm going to go in and, and drop my buck 75 right. down and grab a donut right. while I'm at it. Right. So regardless of the taste, this is very creative and smart advertising. What are the last? I'm trying to think of the last things. They, uh, Starbucks had that unicorn drink yeah. a while ago. And you know what? I never had one, but everybody apparently had to go and get a unicorn 18, drink. 18,000 calories. Was it really delicious? I have no idea, but everybody heard about it, so they wanted to try it. The other one I remember was when uh, KFC had their, what was the one with the, oh. the, 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 the bread was two chicken patties. And it was like didn't I had to. Didn't they get banned or something? Like eighteen hundred milligrams of salt, something in it or like something. that. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was basically like they cooked them. They broiled it in water from the Dead Sea. I think. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Yeah. So, but but again, everybody had. Even if you thought it was going to be disgusting. It's you a novelty. Were, you wanted to try it just to see how disgusting it was mm-hmm. going to be. Yeah, and and if you weren't trying it, again, it's it's a little it's it's that subconscious. Oh, you know what? Yeah, I haven't had a I haven't had KFC That's in right. a while, and it's it's very yeah. very clever. Yeah, like in twenty five years. <laughs> I just want to know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. If you can order like an extra dollop of blue cheese sauce oh. or something on this one for uh, you Nasty. know, I'll have coffee with. Or a double stick blue. to stir, a carrot yeah, and celery yeah. stick to stir Oh, that's it clever. Up. I like that. Yeah, <laughs> double, double will be two carrot sticks and two dollops <laughs> of blue cheese. That would be, uh, mm, that would be kind of gross in the biggest way, but people, but you know what? People would buy it. Just of course they would. Because you know what? Everybody wants to go. This is your point, Mike. Everybody wants to go buy it. Take the first sip to their friend because you're never going to buy it by yourself. You're going to go with somebody. Mm-hmm. So you can have the first sip and go, oh, that's terrible. And then drink the whole thing because it probably isn't as bad as we're making no, it sound. And, and, and what they will do is they will take uh, selfies, they'll take vines, yes. they'll take gifts, and they'll put it all over social media. And like you said, Mike, there's no way a big corporation uh, like Tim Hortons is just doing this without having done all kinds of mar- market research. And they're just going to throw it out there and not think that it's got a good chance of I bet you flying. they're going to sell a... <laughs> yeah, I bet you they're going to have a billion of these things sold. And, and it, they, they will, but it will be for a short term, yes. right? It's, it's a, you know, for a month only type thing. They'll take it off the market. Is it just in the American market? So far. Mm-hmm. Oh, j- we'll see how if it sells, which right. I expect it will. It'll be up here. Right. But that's how they roll out there. You know, like right. they have all the creative different flavors of brands, you I name still, it, cereal, whatever. I still would love to have been at that meeting oh. when someone walked in and said, what are your ideas for this week? And he goes, buffalo wing coffee. Probably if someone with, to be honest with you, the hangover that didn't do their homework. <laughs> yeah, just, yeah. And they said, oh, genius. <laughs> right. or, or, oh, okay, yeah. whatever you like. Yeah. Hold the rubbing their temple. The Scott Radley Show, weeknights from 7 to 9 on AM 900, AM 900 CHML.